Brain fog, insomnia, moodiness, weight gain. Maybe you think they're just part of getting older, but Midi Health understands that for women over 40, they can all connect to menopause. It's at the root of dozens of symptoms we experience, not just hot flashes. Midi clinicians are menopause experts offering safe, effective, FDA-approved solutions covered by insurance. 91% of Midi patients get relief from symptoms within just two months. Book your virtual visit today at joinmidi.com. Amplify your career through training and development solutions specifically designed for federal government professionals. From courses to help you attain or retain certification, to individualized coaching services, to programs that hone your leadership skills and business acumen, Management Concepts optimizes your professional development. Online, in person, individually, or groups, it's training that's measurably better. Learn more at managementconcepts.com. That's managementconcepts.com. Welcome to Deep Blue Sea, the podcast. I am Mark Hoffmeyer. And I am Jay Cluett. And joining me is Norbert Morvan. My head is like a shotgun! <laughs> I'm shocked that so many people haven't done that yet. You're the first person to come on and bust that out. It should be every week. Listen to me, man. Listen to me. LL Cool J soundtrack jams include My Head is Like a Shark Fin, Deepest Bluest, and Any Given Sunday. I can oh. shut up with the down so fast. Where he does the bone thug spitting over the incredible beat by DJ Scratch. You can't hold me! Get off me! He's bench pressing a woman in the video. <laughs> oh, that's amazing. I, I was reading a, a, like something about that song from Any Given Sunday. And like It's primarily known for LL Cool J uh, like rapping very fast. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It was really good. It was a, it's, it's my jam. It's my jam. And I don't know if you remember this, but Deep Blue Sea, Deepest Bluest, it had a making of on MTV. They did a making of the video for Deepest Bluest. That is not a cheap music video, man. First of all, there are synchronized dancers doing synchronized swimming. Oh, by the way, LL Cool J's head does the T-1000 thing into a shark's head. Hell yes. With his hat. Because his head is like a shark fin, you see? Oh, man. I, I, I was working in a movie theater when that movie came out, and I, I got to listen to that every single time when I cleaned the theater, and it made me so happy. I got mad when they – they would we had two theaters I worked at, and so it was playing at Tyrone 6. But when I went to Crossroads 8, I was bummed because I couldn't – I was kind of mopey because I couldn't watch Deep Blue Sea <laughs> during all my breaks. But I, I got to tell you something, Jay. It was kind of funny. Uh, Norbert and I were talking before this episode, and Norbert said, so, Mark, you gave me a very interesting clip to watch for this one. And so, Norbert, what did you mean by that? Like, what about this chapter? One day, it's tomorrow. The duration's almost two minutes. What about this yeah. clip was, was interesting for you? The thing is, is that it's a good baseline for where the characters are before disaster. It shows you the inner workings a little bit of Aquatica. And it also gives you the, we have two walls over here and down there, there are 17 boxes. And oh look, there is a Cuisinart. You get the whole rundown of what this place is before the sharks go to their business. And you get a little bit of intro to uh, Scroggs, Scraggs? Scroggins. You know what? 
I've never cared about his name. It's, it's always Michael Rappaport plays one dude in four <laughs> years of cinema. So it's always just to me, Michael Rappaport. And what I love about this is, so back in 2017, I wrote a data article about diving into the deep data of Deep Blue Sea. And yeah. th during this scene is when I realized that Rennie Harlan, the director and the production designers, they do a really good job of giving you, you know where you are in Aquatica. So in the beginning, she's like half mile of catwalk. So I did all the, the math on that, the titanium fences. And then they talk about living quarters in the first, then wet labs and workshops, and then wet mm -hmm. entry. And then also in this, they like when they're going down on the freight elevator, they show you a map of the facility, too, that I freeze framed and uh, snipped from the thing and used to use like the locations of all the characters. So right. I like that. This gives you a good setup. So already we know about the sharks. We know about Carter Blake riding the sharks. And now we know about Aquatica. And I kind of love that. But can I ask you guys a question about this? Yeah. Real quick. Yeah. So, Jay and, and Norbert, in this scene, Janice is giving um, Russell Franklin the rundown, and she says almost everyone here is yeah. top of the game. <laughs> almost <laughs> everyone. <Yeah>. Almost <laughs> everyone. I mean, that's that's <laughs> kind of a shot, right? She's saying almost everyone. Well, and, and it cuts immediately. As she's saying that, it cuts to Carter walking on the surface, and I don't think she's talking about Carter with the almost, because he, he's up there. He's got to be top. Listen... Yeah. Yeah, the man the man swims with sharks yeah. with barely a knife in his hand yeah. and and zero equipment in one scene. Just barely the the rebreather that he just pulls out like, "Yes, I'm the guy who has tricked the shark into attacking a tank." <laughs> yeah, if he wasn't top of his game, he wouldn't be alive right now. If he was Yeah, clearly. That. Clearly. Just because he's a dirtbag smuggler, you know. <laughs> Hey, we all love Han Solo, right? It's no big deal. Yeah. So who, who do we reckon isn't top of the game? My vote goes for Scoggins. Yeah, Scoggins is definitely one of those guys. Also, I think maybe there's a couple people on there that she just doesn't like who left on the boat. So maybe it, it's Rick from Accounting or Debbie from Marine Biology. You know what? Every time Lawrence goes into the bathroom, comes back out, doesn't flush, toilet papers <laughs> everywhere. We don't like that guy, you know? Yeah. And she's a marine biologist, so maybe she's really into the studying. Wait, do you think she could be talking about Susan McAllister? I think she, she could be. There was the, she when like her. Yeah. when Susan got off of the uh, the plane a couple of couple of weeks ago, there was a look between them, that, of kind of a, a dismissive look from Susan. So I think there is there's bad blood between those two. But there's my definitely... vote's always going Scoggins, as we talked about last week. He he <laughs> mixes metric and imperial. He doesn't know what he's doing. So. Oh. <laughs> he did say eight feet, eight yeah, centimeters for the, centimeters. for the for the fence. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely, good eye, good he eye. Yeah, eight there. eight feet, eight centimeters. That's right. Yeah. Okay. So he's definitely not on top of the game. But at the same time, Stellan Skarsgård is rakishly handsome. He's clearly with Janice. And Susan comes in with her accent and her designs on the sharks, blah, 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 blah. So there's definitely that tension, like, don't mess with my man. I'm going to be the one to bring it to you. That could be a thing. <laughs> I, I mean, I, I could see that. Apart from there is there is not a lot of looks between the two of them. In this, I mean, half of this chapter is, is all Susan and, and Stellan. Right. That's his name. And there's no kind of chemistry between them. He's, he seems like he's just woken up and is quite gruff and doesn't wants to have his morning coffee. He's smoking packs of cigarettes at the bottom of the ocean. So there's <laughs> no way his breathing is right. So he's <laughs> rocky. 
for all eternity. Yeah. And and it's probably she probably has like a wharf and Jadzia Dax thing where anytime Dax would talk about her ex, what do you mean you had lunch with him on Tuesday? We are married, Worf. It could be that type of thing. <laughs> yeah. I do have to say though that Saffron Burroughs typing and computer acting is top notch. I've long been obsessed with actors doing computer acting. And I think there's good computer acting and then there's bad computer acting. So I'm placing hackers at the top, right? Mm. Ha- hackers mm. is all the way up top. On the bottom, I don't know what's at the bottom. But somewhere in between, you got Alicia Vikander and Jason Bourne. You got Jake, Jake Johnson in Jurassic World, Sandra Bullock in The Net. It's tough to do computer acting, but she pulls it off really well. I think I can't remember where it was from, but the bottom has got to be, I think it's from some CSI episode or something, where two people are typing on the same keyboard at the same time, trying to like <laughs> to hack faster. They both type. I, can't, I, think what? I, to, I think I read that on a Cracked article at some point, so I have to dig that out. But yeah, I, and they were trying to work out how would that work, because like one person have Q to T and the other will have Y to P and they kind of share the space bar. But <laughs> I, don't, I just want to know. How That's wild. what kind of a Pacific Rim mind meld is going on to allow that to happen? But. Well, honorable mention has to go to Hugh Jackman, who receives, shall uh, we say, oh, pleasure. So yes, well, yes. The hack within sixty seconds. He has to do a really complicated hack. Wow, so would normally take an hour without having four shots of tequila and <laughs> <laughs> and <laughs> and what else is going on in that scene? <laughs> Mm-hmm. While John Travolta smokes a cigarette, like, th- this was the conclusion of his wild smoking. So in Pulp Fiction, he, he looked cool. In Broken Arrow, all he did was chain smoke. So I wrote an yeah. article about this on Movie Sons of Flicks. I mean, he's smoking <laughs> every instance of Broken Arrow. And then you move on to Face Off, where it looks like he's playing darts with the cigarette. He's trying to play a cool cigarette smoker. And then in Swordfish, he looks like he's about to palm himself with the cigarette. So he's just smugly watching Hugh Jackman hack with the weird inverted smoking thing i'm not gonna lie to you i walked around smoking cigarettes like that for about a year and a half after i saw that movie because it was really? the coolest thing i did i thought it was the coolest thing ever i so, don't know why ashamed so after you watch broken arrow you just chain smoked after you watched face off you looked like you were playing darts and then you watched swordfish and did that <laughs> see swordfish just inspires so many different things you know the proper way to negotiate for hostages, the improper way to negotiate for hostages, the way to hold a cigarette a certain way. And then things that you could do while getting pleasure, for example. John, he went so over the top. And then he was in The Punisher <laughs> with Thomas Jane. And they're, yes. in, Tam- they're in Tampa, this, this is like the capital of cigar, like one of the biggest areas of cigars, and he smokes a pipe. Yeah, uh, you know, Scientology. What can I tell you, man? <laughs> oh, brother. <laughs> <laughs> do your thing. Oh, I got to tell you guys, there's a very, 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 very important moment in this two minutes. And I'm going to break this down to you. So go for it. In this scene, Saffron Burroughs, Susan McAllister is going to grab her research in a locker. And she Mm. looks around and all like something moves. Fish moves, something moves. Now, my theory is that the shark saw where the research is. Yes. And later on in the movie, when she goes into her lab on the first level, which we learned in the living quarters, right. that when she opens up the locker, that's when the shark attacks. So the, the shark, shark knew where the research was, and it wanted to destroy it. And the shark learns where it is in this two-minute scene. 
Yep, I agree. And I, I love that the fish... Will, well, you don't see the shark. When she turns around, all the fish kind of swim away. My first thought was, are the sharks using the fish as spies? <laughs> and the fish have been caught <laughs> and they've swum away. Okay, so not only are the sharks smarter, but now they have Aquaman powers? Yes. Yes. Wow. They tell the fish, if you, we want to escape, want to go swimming. If If you help us, you can come with us. Because they're trapped in there, too. Yeah, they must they be. I mean, they, they can't fit through the uh, the grids. They are. Wow. <laughs> okay, okay. And, and if the fish say no, the shark's is going to eat them. So they've got to help. They've got to help. Clearly. Wow. Morally obligated. But you talked about how, how great Saffron Burrow's computer acting is. It's it's so good that I hadn't even considered that she's not really using that computer. So it's, I just completely bought into it. So I, I have to agree that she is doing a great job pretending to use a computer. A really old, boxy computer that's so <laughs> huge but still has a separate floppy drive. Not just a separate floppy drive, a 100 megabyte disk, okay? That's oh, a big yes. deal. That is a big deal. That, that deserves to be kept in a waterproof container <laughs> in a small metal box inside a cabinet for which the only key is around her neck. I want, this, I want to see this as a heist film now, where the sharks have to try and get that key. Somehow. Like, like, like Sharks 11? Yeah, exactly. Oh. <laughs> no, why don't you stick with the oceans, Mark? It's Oceans Eleven. They're sharks. They live in the ocean. Come on. Oh, it's no. Oceans Three. Oh crap! <laughs> you 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 missed a layup there, brother. You missed yeah, the button. I, did. I, did. I, got, I got the layup stuck between the rim and the backboard. <laughs> <laughs> a wedgie, if you will. But yeah, I mean, I'm telling you. So sh that shark knew. So later on, when that shark attacks, it's waiting for her to open up that locker. And I love that that scene sets it up. It sets an ominous vibe. And uh, I'm, I'm telling you, this, this gets, I, I guess I just like it because it makes my crackpot theories about this film more plausible. Listen, I, you took it to a place that I had yet to imagine because it was one thing for the sharks to be self-aware and set traps and hunt in packs. But now you're telling me that the sharks are securing the research so that no one can chase after them and that they can never be duplicated. And they will end up being kings of the sea, lords of the ocean. This is spectacular. Yeah. So I got to tell you something, Jay. I told Norbert my crackpot theory before we started, and mm. he had to lay on the ground for like 10 minutes. <laughs> mm. It's not a crackpot theory, Mark. I'm on board. This is, this is correct. The shark, that first outing of the sharks was recon. Yes. You know. <laughs> I've watched this movie. I've watched this movie dozens of times, and I've never put together that the sharks were actually like, aha, I see you, aha. I just, you know, I just figured the sharks were just being creepy bastards because that's what they are. They're, they're just these devil sharks. These sharks are Tim Robbins in the Shawshank Redemption. Uh, yeah. yeah. Uh, so I guess the, the third time we've brought that up. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, so I think the two Gen 1 sharks are Tango and Cash. Mm -hmm. Oh, man. There and we Gen 2 is what? Zeus from No Holds Barred? Ripley from Aliens. Resurrection or three. One of those. But she's so get it. Like this shark is genetically modified. No, this shark is the queen alien and Saffron Burroughs is is Ripley. I see. Okay, so it's the, the disc is newt. The disc is <laughs> Right. 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 And then that would make Scoggins Hudson. No way, uh, man. Don't yeah. that one, man. No way, man. Wow. That's a, I think that Scoggins is more chance. useful than Hudson, but okay. 
Hey, that's a different podcast. Skogans is Vasquez. <laughs> Skog. <laughs> oh man. Vasquez is L O Cool J, man. <laughs> but he gets out. He survives. Yeah. Well, yeah. <laughs> Michael Bean's L O Cool J. Spoiler <laughs> alert. <laughs> So what what is your history with Deep Blue Sea then, then Nova? Oh yeah. So uh, 1999, I go see Deep Blue Sea in the theater, and uh, it's just one of the greatest things I've ever seen in my entire life. Uh, shark movies have always been a thing. I am one of the few people on Earth that will watch every single movie in the Jaws quadrilogy and enjoy them all, with or without scotch. <laughs> I like the fact that Michael Caine is there with that old lady. And she's like, the shark remembers me, even though technically every single shark has died at the end of the movie. There's no way the shark can remember you. I'm all about it because sharks are just like the aliens from Alien. They just do what they do. You know, they eat you. And that's just the way it is. They're beautiful. They're deadly. They're graceful. And now, you know, you've taken nature's greatest killing machine and you've given it will and desire. How can you sign me up? I'm ready. And they're gliding monsters. And also, Norbert, I know you – I'm sorry if I'm telling you what you already know, but Mako sharks are one of the smartest sharks on the planet. They have the largest brain-to-body ratio. They are warm-blooded. They're some of the fastest sharks, and they've been known to hunt in very specific, uh, specific ways that other sharks don't. They show intelligence that most mm. sharks can't. And they're in Aquatica because Mako sharks can't be in captivity. Once they're in captivity, uh, they'll die. So they're out in this facility with Mako sharks to keep them alive. Ah, man. But And these Mako sharks can also swim backwards, which is impossible. And recognize sharks guns. Swim <laughs> and they recognize guns. Yeah. Wow. Spoiler for future weeks. My goal, <laughs> Norbert, is that at the end of this episode, your mind is so blown that you walk around like that guy from Love Actually after Kira Knightley sees that tape that he filmed everything and he's all stressed around walking, like walking around and acting confused. And <laughs> Andrew I Lincoln, want you to be, yeah. yeah, Andrew Lincoln, I want you to be walking around Korea, just mind blown, walking like 10 feet, walking back 10 feet, putting your hand on your head, just with a nice sweater, just freaking out, man. If there's a better way I could be mind blown than compared to a guy who basically stalked the chick, I'll take, <laughs> I'll, I'll, I'll take that. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. Now, listen, your your theories of the uh, of the sentient and plotting even further than I thought, Shark, mind-blowing. They really are. We do get also a little piece of the classic, we have to cure Alzheimer's, you know? Because Alzheimer's, when they're trying to cure Alzheimer's, it's like how the Saturday Night Live movies automatically guilt you into cheering for their ridiculous stupid idiot lead character because they're trying to save their grandma yeah. you know you gotta be on their side you know i am legend will smith destroys humanity well he's just trying to cure cancer man i mean come on you understand yeah, that good intentions you know? yeah you know yeah, no big deal you know all the lives we'll save yeah like us <laughs> and scoggins scoggins and, and she must be big business because there are a lot of articles about she keeps clippings of her trying to save her father right. in her in her office. So she right. must have been before this a really major force in the scientific community to have science. <laughs> the the newspaper on the top <laughs> says science. 
<laughs> yeah, I, I'm guessing that's. I don't think it's like the science newspaper. Oh, yeah, it's the, the science kitchen. section. But, <laughs> but I thought I thought the same thing. Like, oh, this is Science Weekly. <laughs> I just I love that though that there's multiple articles and they're really long. So who do you what do you how do you think she got to where she was? Like what what's her journey to be being covered on newspapers to like be you know about curing her father's Alzheimer's? What's what what did she do beforehand? Most likely there are acres of land with just thousands of dead animals with just tiny holes in their head from all the times <laughs> that she practiced the brain for CC extraction. And so that alone will get you in the science journal. Like, what the heck is this chick doing? <laughs> it's these, these dead giraffes with these giant brains. <laughs> <You know? laughs> I, I thought that a giraffe would be a better creature and and oh there's a four inch hole in the giraffe's head it's just weird things that she's doing the brain you was know? just too heavy for it to keep up that head exactly just... <laughs> exactly so so you know she started as a young child you know boring holes into her barbie dolls to see if she could cure alzheimer's disease and then uh you know she moved on from barbie to cabbage patch to her niece or whatever you know so wait, how, how long has her dad had alzheimer's <laughs> <laughs> Well, you know, it starts. It's it, you, there. There, there are hints. You know, you get yeah, tremors. Okay. You know, one day your dad takes you to the prom. Oh, dad, I'm 35. You know what's going on? You know, <laughs> this is a very your depressing conversation. Went, uh, your mom went out for cigarettes 10 years ago. She never came back. Actually, she did. Are you okay, dad? You know <laughs> these types of things. Wow. Yeah. All right. So since she's so far out at Aquatica, they've really sort of alienated her from the rest of the world to work on these three sharks do you think right. she might have had another mishap by genetically modifying monkeys and it becomes like a congo situation in la and they're just running amok all over the place and they're like okay we got to get her out of here maybe yeah that that could explain why she's now out on the water she she had the trial with the monkeys that didn't work so now she's she she was up up north somewhere tried something with an alligator and so lake glass yeah. had happened and she had went down to brazil or wherever anaconda was set and tried something with snakes and now she's here <laughs> and now she's out in aquatica with sharks she's just she played games with the slugs and they yeah. came slither yeah <laughs> just ping-ponging all around the the horror movie animals of the world because yeah, giant yeah. ants giant rabbits that kind of thing well wow. you could you could posit that uh that uh will from planet of the apes picked up her research where she left off and oops created the simian flu how many things is she responsible for <laughs> she's the worst man Ultimate she did some modifying on a plant and then little shop of horrors happened yeah. <laughs> the happening she was responsible for the happening <laughs> that's, yeah that's a sequel to little shop of horrors isn't it the, the plants <laughs> got so the plants got so tired of her that they just tried to kill her but it went wrong and half the population got wiped out <laughs> she's like carter and then ominous breeze you know, <laughs> <laughs> one more thing I do like about this. So we've been talking about this, Norbert, about how Janice Higgins should get an Academy Award for her expository dialogue. She does so much chapter in a row, just <laughs> dropping naturalistic expository dialogue. But she's right when she says you don't get many mistakes down here. I mean, she's you not know? messing around and they make one mistake. Well, Whitlock makes one mistake and it all just goes you know, to the bottom. Oh, brother. Whose fault was it that the shark wakes up? And to go further with your uh, super self-aware sharks, was the shark ever really asleep? 
That's that's the thing. The, the sharks are too smart. Collectively, they've underestimated the intelligence of these sharks. They didn't fathom that the sharks would pretend to be more sedated than they are. So exactly. Maybe the sharks are so advanced they can uh, they can kind of control their own heartbeat or what? what yeah, you know, some people can like can lie without setting off a lie detector. The shark yeah, can do yeah. something along those lines without without setting off any machinery. So it looks like they're sedated, but they actually aren't. So if we're looking to blame someone, it's going to be tricky because they just. It's, I mean, it's it's Susan and Jim for making super smart sharks and not telling anyone else. Because maybe if they had done, then Carter would have said, "Wait, hang on a minute. That means that they can now control their, they can regulate their breathing or something." Exactly. If that shark can look in the window and identify the disc that contains all the data on their creation and how to stop or to help them grow and become more, then that shark can clearly be like, okay, watch, I'm totally going to bite this dude's arm off because he thinks I'm sleeping. Muhaha. Shirley's going to love this when I get back in the tank, baby. Can I, can I ask you guys a question? Yeah. Yeah. All right. So how does Carter dose the Gen 2 with the serum? Does he just shoot it? Uh, that's his normal tactic. That was it. That was it. Yeah. He just shoots things. Yeah. So he yeah, just he... shoot. Oh, wow. He's listen. He's got three moves. Okay. Swim, shoot and grasp. That's yeah. all he does. <laughs> you know, not necessarily in that order. Not necessarily. <laughs> exactly. And, and the thing that makes him an expert in the top of his field is that he knows when to do each one, you know? So, is this the time to grab the shark? Nope. I'm going to do the Hadouken. No, I'm exactly. not in the water. I should shoot it. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. You know? Can't grab a shark if you're not in the water. That's rule one. Right. 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 Should I swim again? Not in the water. <laughs> not yet. <laughs> do I have exactly. a gun? No. Can't shoot. Okay. So, grab. <laughs> <laughs> Isn't it? We don't know. We don't know. He knows, but we don't know. Exactly, exactly. That's why he's the expert. Jay. Yeah, exactly. That's why we're podcasting about it, and he's doing it. Thank you, Jay. Those Thank who you. can't podcast. If yeah. you're listening to this, I want a if you if anybody out there is good with Photoshop or art, I want a shoot what swim or grab. <laughs> <laughs> love, live, laugh. Oh, sorry, love, live, laugh, ah, love. But... <laughs> yeah. Yeah, shoot, swim, or grab, man. He's got three moves, okay? He's got three moves, and he utilizes them effectively. Towards the end of the movie, he gets he gets a chance to actually just grab for a while. Yeah, right? Yeah, he, he gets taken on a tour of the facility. Yeah. And then he, then he yeah. grabs something else, and that's what saves his life. Wow. Well, yeah, there we go. <laughs> I think we have a title to this episode. Now, Norbert, he... Norbert 1, Mark 0. There it is. <laughs> Hey, no, that's why I bring you in. I, I, I'm the John Stockton. You're the, you're the Carl Malone, man. I assist you, and you dunk it, and then you elbow someone in the face, like a shark fin. <laughs> <laughs> that's my, that's my NBA uh, Jam team, by the way. NBA Jam, yeah, that's who I always use, man. You told they were, awesome. they were awesome, yeah. But they, like, also, does he go into, the, does he go underwater and dart it? Does he call for it to come to the top? Is he saying, like, does he? How's he dosing this thing? My guess would oh. be f when it's like feeding time. That's when they tend, to, or like when you know you know where the shark's going to be when you feed it. But then we see feeding soon, and that mm. happens underwater. That's a good good question. Uh, maybe when they brought it back. Oh no, no, because it would have been what it had to be when Susan was having the meeting with Ronnie Cox, mm. which was after the shark escaped. So I have no idea. When would you? He just jumps in the water and stabs it. I don't know. The example, oh. the, the example that we're given is that he gets to crawl through the terrifying cage of claustrophobia 
uh, and then they come out and notice him, and then that's when they recognize the gun when he pulls the gun on them. Yeah, and then and then he tricks them. But before yeah. that, it's, it seemed like he would just go into the terrifying tunnel of claustrophobia and just shoot because he had that choice. Yeah. So these poor sharks are just getting tagged every now and again. <laughs> right. But this time they realize, you know what? F around and find out. And that's what happened. He got him. Wow. And, okay, so I, I like that they, they move on to this trope. When uh, Susan says that we're two months early, we or wait, no, Jim says we're three, two months early. We need three more preliminary trials. But right. I think they do a good job of getting us there. The shark escaped. It made national headlines. Chimera mm-hmm. Pharmaceuticals is thinking about pulling the plug. Russell Franklin is there to supervise, mm-hmm. and they just need to do it. That seems like a kind of an organic thing, yeah. right? It, it it works, except for there's no repercussions for doing the test early. It works. <laughs> so I mean, Jim, Jim's saying that they're, they're skipping three rounds of preliminary tests, but they, it turns out they didn't need them because they, yeah, they the run the test time. and it's successful. Pretty much. Yeah, <laughs> so the, the film much. is saying, don't worry about testing, don't worry about practice, just go ahead and do it. It'll be fine. Yes, other things happen after that point that don't go to plan, but the testing worked. <laughs> Wait, yeah, yeah, guys. Okay, yeah. Hear, hear me out. This okay. serum makes sharks incredibly smart. And then in Rise of the Planet of the Apes, there's that gas serum that makes the apes really smart. Well, this isn't really a serum, though, that makes them smart. It's the genetic engineering. Yeah. There was no, this, the serum is actually what they take from the shark's brains to put on the dead cells afflicted with all Oh, yeah, you're right. I watched this movie a thousand times, friend. Dang it, Norbert. My bad. So why, what is that shark that she's testing on in her lab? I know it's introduced to give us a good uh, gag later where it floats up and scares us. So it's a nice Chekhov's fake shark. But what, <laughs> what, is, what is she testing on? Is she practicing? She's just, yeah, I think she's just running through, this is what we're going to do. This is roughly in the shark's head where the, the, the protein we need to extract is. She's just yeah, having. We, she, she's going to have done this a thousand times, but she just this is the morning of the test or the day before. Just what one last run through. This is what I'm going to do. Exactly, like we previously established, there are graveyards full of just dead animals with tiny holes in their head that she's practiced this on. Yeah. You can't bring a test giraffe to the third sub level of Aquatica, man. You got to have the little My Little Pony doll to practice your stabbing on. So is this a fake shark, or is this one of the previous ones that she's used and then taxidermied and turned into a model? No, it's a fake shark. A baby shark? That was the first one she killed. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) Shark is actually quite delicious, non sequitur. Oh, no. Yeah, shark bake. Is that what you had? Fulton Street in Brooklyn, back in the day, you used to be able to go into the fish shop. And there was one time, I'll never forget where they had the fish on ice, and it was actually just laying there, just... That's how fresh it was. Jesus. It was still alive. Yeah. That's, that's so that's where I knew that that's the spot to get shark steak, buddy. And let me tell you, mwah, no bones. Cartilage only, man. You put wow. some curry on, and it was mashiso, as the Koreans would say. <laughs> I don't know what to say to that. I've had swordfish. That was quite nice. Uh, but... <laughs> that's so what, what you, she said. So Hello. What, what do you guys think about the stereotrastic aspiration of the computer system? So when, when, when one is doing stereotrastic aspiration, one must factor in multiple things, such as the docile nature of the unconscious shark, 
the steadiness of the hands. Have we had one, two, or three coffees before? You know, these are the things you have to consider before you stab a six-ton shark in the brain to see what will happen next. Oh, hey, I got it. Stereotastic craniotomy is a fundamental mm -hmm. technique used in brain tumor resection. It involves making an incision in the patient's scalp and then creating an opening in the skull. This allows access to the intracranial space where the tumor is located. So That's what she yeah. did. That's what yeah. she did, man. Clearly. Yeah, like I wow. said, she's practicing on graveyards full of animals, stabbing them in the head to see what happens. And now she's really good at it. I feel bad for Carter. He's had a long day. He had to go out and catch a Gen 1 <laughs> shark, drag it back. Then he mm -hmm. had to show off with the tiger shark. Then he mm -hmm. told a story about driving from Louisiana. And then he had to deal with Scoggins. And then he had to dose the shark earlier in the day. There's a policy. Yeah. And <laughs> that's right. Had, that's right. He's had a long day, Carter. I don't think he had to catch the Gen 1 this morning. I think that was because like, they had to that had to make it into a newspaper. Oh, yeah, you're so, right. But still, even without that, it's still a busy day for someone who's normally just, you know, checking on the sharks now. And then how often has he got to go out and, and retrieve them? It can't be that often. Well, now, to be fair, Jay, he did have to simultaneously grab and swim. Yes, he did. Two of the things, plate. yeah. To pull the license plate out of the thing's mouth. I mean, that's not a job that you or I would readily accept. That, that's a double grab, because he's grabbing hold of the shark, and then he's got to grab hold of the license plate. That's that's a two-handed. That's a, a double grab slash swim. Is that a bonus? I think Criminy. Criminy and Jiminy. When he's writing his contract, he's, I can do one, and that's fine. But if I do two, I get a bonus. There has to be. I mean, the entire job is hazard pay, isn't it? So what are we talking about here? Yeah. I, I don't <laughs> think there's got to be a bonus for doing two, because he's never going to grab if he's not already swimming. Oh, uh, yeah. Those two kind of go hand in hand. Mm. What, what about swimming and shooting? No, he that's, does that too. Yeah, he does, but I think that would be a bonus. That's that's an extra thing, because that's, that's two separate things. What's, it's a also, it, what's a grab and shoot? Uh, Did you grab the gun and shoot it? Was you grab it? I don't know. <laughs> well, you grab it by the fin, and then you, you, you shoot it in the eye, you know? <laughs> you don't shoot Hello. shots in the eye. You stab them in the eye with a crucifix. Well, I was just about to say, Ellen Cool J used the power of Christ to free himself from a shark, and that was a beautiful thing. In nomine Patre, Filii, Spiriti Sanctis, Ellen Cool J. If you go on Movie Songs of Flakes, we did a, a Jay and I did a Final Fights episode about that. So I think you uh, you should go over there and check that out because we talk about the the beautiful stabbings of Ellen. Man, I, I, I'm getting ahead of myself. I love that scene when I was when I was, when I was working in the theaters. I got to tell you that just um, people just cheered when that happened. I have yeah. never seen anything like that before, and I, I just loved it so much. Oh man, you got you got to understand, Hoff. The history of cinema is riddled with the corpses of brothers who did not survive the movie. Mm -hmm. So, as we get closer to the end time, and LL Cool J is still alive, you're like, wait a minute, is he gonna make it? That's why people <laughs> are rooting for him, man. And not just make it; he's the hero survive. at the end. He's the savior. Yeah. Like a shark fin, man. Yeah. That's why it's so great. Yeah. That's a vibe. And you know what else I love, too, is uh, I listened to the commentary during this, Rennie Harlan. And I, I love that. So the elevator shaft, they built the shaft, but like the elevator shaft, but a lot of it's CG. And then Sam, Sam Jackson said that on the side of it, they made it seem like it was moving. That's another nice added out of this. But also when they dumped the camera underwater, there's a miniature of the facility. They built a miniature. Yeah. Nice. Makes, like, That's I love cool. this. 
I love the stagecraft of this movie, and I think it does a good job of. I mean, there are some, there's a couple bad scenes of CGI, which way too many people talk about. But I think it does a good job of blending CGI and practical effects. I mean, they built a miniature. When you look, <laughs> when the camera goes underwater, the water above is CGI. It looks good, and then everything else is just added. Have, have you ever watched that scene and thought, oh, that water looks terrible? No, and, yeah, and the, the fence in the foreground that looks terrible. No, it just it looks. I I believed that they had water. The surface of the water and the and the fence was all real. So yeah, pretty yeah, much. That's, that's that's the thing that people don't appreciate about cg like you know zodiac is one of the most cg heavy films that no one knows has any cg in it because it's all just looks real Mm. it's it's only the bad stuff people acknowledge it's 1999 and not everyone has the budget for ilm and spielberg yeah this movie holds up you know don't be the critic subculture on the internet we all know that it has become toxic so oh look you can see the strings, dude. Shut up, dude. We, we will yeah. mention the bad CGI when it comes up, but in exactly. doing so, we have to point out the good CGI all along the way as well, which is what we're doing. Exactly. And here exactly. Another, another brilliant thing they did, too, is Sam Jackson was talking about this, and Rennie talks about it. On the sets when where they shot in Baja, they had they would do they would put actual water out, so they're on sound stages, but what they would do with the windows to create claustrophobia is they would put little... <laughs> things of water outside each porthole that was in the soundstage to just you so you'd see actual water in the shot and then in the back yeah and i I think that's just little things like that that i really like and also too in the in the commentary i i love how samuel jackson is just i don't know if he's being sarcastic but he loves stellan skarsgård he's like this is a bergman actor he's like he's so much better than us and he's like he finds emotional depth to these scenes that we can only skim and I, I kind of loved that he was just giving us a play-by-play of Stellan's acting. But when he sees Michael Rappaport, he's like, Michael has no idea what he's doing. No. <laughs> Michael, he's like, he's like, he's he's typing on the computer. He has no clue what he's doing. But when he talks he's about just Stellan, thinking about hip hop right now. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> How can and, I make a Tribe Called Quest movie? Hmm. I, I gotta tell you, Norbert, it's pretty funny in the commentary. Sam Jackson's talking about Michael Rappaport. And he's like, you know, Michael's one of the few white actors that can talk about hip hop a lot. Him and LL Cool J were talking <laughs> a lot about it. And Sam's like, Michael, you can't say that. It was on the commentary. Uh, Sam Jackson said that about oh, Michael oh Rappaport. God. Oh, my God. Yeah. Listen, Michael Rappaport is the guy from New York City that you hung out with that was a little bit too down with the brothers, if you will. <laughs> he's had his moments in in the community where he has been simultaneously invited and disinvited to the barbecue. I'm not sure exactly where he is right now, but there are pictures of him on the internet where, frankly, it looks like he's got a big herpy on his lips. So I don't know. (laughs) (laughs) And and also, too, uh, so in Titanic, they did a great CG program for water. They wrote a a bunch of code. But in this one, they they added a new code for a storm. So Harlan Mm. said they were the first people. Well, Perfect Storm came out, too. That might be a bold claim, but Rennie Harlan said they were the first people to use code for storms on the ocean. That was the a hell of a storm, man. It was one of the greatest scenes in the movie, which you'll probably get into in your later episodes talking about this movie. You know, as Aquatica is just about to be destroyed, that helicopter comes in, but you can't see it because there's a wave in front of it. And then the wave goes down, and then the helicopter is coming. And you're like, oh, so that's what a 30-foot wave looks like. <laughs> <laughs> Because there's no way that the helicopter is skimming the, the surface of the water. So, yeah, it was definitely cool, man. I love unnecessary waves, but yeah, 
I'm glad they added them in here. Well, it's showing us a storm. They said there's going to be a storm coming, so it's it's all adding to that. Oh yeah, the bitch but, of a squall. Yeah. Well, it rained out here in Korea. So this is the first time we actually see inside of Aquatica. We've seen like the surface before. But what room are they, are they in at the end? Initially, I thought it was kind of like Susan's living quarters because at the start of the scene, it looks like there's a bed with some like throw cushions on it. It's kind of white plinth, and she's going to like her personal locker. But then. Jim comes in, they're having a conversation there, he just kind of walks, saunters into her room, if that is her room. Yeah, I believe that that is exactly what it is, because uh, she's got her shark with the brain exposed set up. It's pretty big. Yeah. Actually, no, it's, it's, no, it is her room. It's 100% her room, because there's a bed, and it's got her shark with the action open skull thing. So, yeah, she's got her computer, and she's got her subdural hematoma aspiration, a matrix, ready to go. She's also got some really nice little plants there. They could be asparagus. Maybe she's growing coriander down there. I don't know. I thought it was basil. Mm. I mean, you want Makes to smell sense. fresh down there. It probably gets pretty funky in Aquatica. It probably smells like fish, bro. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> There's a scene in Hollow Man where he goes to his apartment and he looks up at a sign that says you should be working. And yeah. so I think Susan McAllister is the type of person that would want a bed in her lab so she could yes. always work. Yeah, and then she can she, like, probably... wake up at 3 a.m. and think, oh, I can try this and head straight over to the computer. Yeah, and then uh, just do some wonderful computer acting. And and some more uh, practice animal brain stabbing. Yeah. <laughs> I, mean, I don't think you could ever get enough animal brain stabbing practice, brother. No, and she, I don't think she can either. Mm -mm. Mm -mm. And I got to tell you, though, I, I, that means there's good production design in this movie that we're even talking about this. Because, I don't know, I just gleam that bit of information. I mean, it's all hypothetical, but I like the production design, too. I mean, this office looks real. It looks yeah. lived in. I, I do love, too, what Ada Turturro's, uh, what's what did we call her tower? The tower, that, yeah. Yeah, I the love tower, the way yeah. I love the way that looked, the way they dressed it. I think there's some solid production design in this movie, and that room is yeah. like, uh, to like total evidence of that. I really dug what they did with that. And also that room they built to be able to hold water as well, so it must have been built in a tank. Hmm. Yeah, it's yeah. a very very kind of functional-looking room. You've got kind of bare concrete or metal on the walls. The only decoration is, is pictures that she's posted up. Kind of, you kind of feel like that's what this kind of a, a lab would have. You're not there to have fun, you're there to work. And yes, you've got to sleep there sometimes, but at the end of the day, it's mainly an office and occasionally a bedroom. I love right. the I love the Lincoln Park poster that was up on the wall. <laughs> well, you know, it, 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 fortunately for her, she didn't want to cliche herself too much by having the hang in there cat poster. So <laughs> she focused, man. She knew what she was there for. She's there to stab creatures in the brain and cure Alzheimer's disease. That's it, man. She doesn't need any tchotchkes, anything to remind her that other humans exist that might also want to cure Alzheimer's disease in a less intrusive way. I think the Die Hard 2 poster's a little too far. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's a, bit, a little too self-referential. And the Nightmare on Elm Street 3 poster yeah. in the it's kitchen. Getting, it's just getting too obscure. No, Nightmare 4, I'm sorry. I just messed <laughs> yeah. that up. What kind of music do you think she listens to? So we know that Dark Helmet drinks Thrash coffee. Metal. Oh, that sounds about right. <laughs> no, no, no. You can't listen to that type of stuff if you're delicately stabbing creatures in the brain. Oh, they please. That's that's delicately stabbing creatures in the brain music. That's what gets listen. her in the mood for stabbing things in the brain. 
Now you see that's the thing. But while she's stabbing these creatures in the brain, she's probably listening to Brahms, or maybe she could be listening to the Backstreet Boys. The shape of your heart stab you in the brain. You know, she's very calm. She's cool. She's collected. My heart says thrash metal, Norbert. Fair enough. Yeah, that's what I'm going. It's dark. <laughs> so I get what you're saying. It takes a dark heart. It takes a dark heart to not only stab creatures in the brain, but to literally subvert the laws of God and nature by creating these mutant sharks. So you could be right. That's why she was going wrong with some of the other animals was too much head banging whilst she was doing the stabbing. <laughs> I mean, she's kind of a punk rock doctor. Yeah, she's she's anti-establishment. She's going against all the rules. Yeah. But her being anti-establishment is not so much that I'm anti-establishment. It's that I'm better than you. Oh yeah. I mean, and later on, Jim Whitlock says that no God, we're like we're God. God didn't do this. I did this. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, these guys are not humble. <laughs> the whole thing about being punk is that you are down with the proletariat. You're not a part of the bourgeoisie. She is beyond even those things. She has created a new form of life, man. So she's not necessarily listening to Slayer. She's probably listening to, uh, what's his name? Philip Glass? She's listening to that robot music, man. Crosswalk. <laughs> if anything, when she needs to get pumped up to stab the creature, she goes Romstein and just do, do hast, do hast, fish. And then she's just got her proboscis ready to go into the mind of a shark. Alright, I like that. I see it all in my yep. head, actually. Yep. If I can see it, that means it's right. Absolutely. <laughs> no, that's good. I think we've, we've, we've dove into her backstory. I love that. And I also like that you know, this scene does a few things too. It, it, it check offs a few things. We get you know, one mistake, you're in trouble. It introduces mm. us to the elevator. It tells us about all the floors and then it brings in the shark. That mm. is going to give us a good jump gag later. Ready, Harl? I'm telling you, this movie's good. This, I love this movie. <laughs> I think we should cover it one chapter at a time. Yeah. <laughs> Two minutes are- for an hour. I'm, I'm down. There are other Rennie Harlan joints that you might be able to cover, like the Long Kiss Goodnight, oh, another so- Sam Jack Rennie Harlan joint. Underrated Gina Davis flick. Dun, 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 dun. Got my keys in my pocket. Dun, 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 dun. <laughs> what I love about Harlan, too, is, I mean, in the 90s, he was making movies like The Long Kiss Goodnight and Cutthroat Island that starred Gina Davis as an absolute badass, and they had mm-hmm. huge budgets. You didn't mm-hmm. have many of those movies in the 90s. I, I know Not you had, a- like, you had, like, Cynthia Rock Rock doing straight to DVD. You had... Movies like The Net or, you know, like Sleeping with the Enemy. But then you have Gina Davis in an R-rated movie just wiping people off the map. And then she spear- she was the star of Cutthroat Island, which was yeah. like $100 million. I mean, Ronnie Harlan, I don't know, I, I like what he was doing back then. I mean, those movies didn't quite do too well, but he was one of the few guys directing really big but, and also, I don't think a lot of people knew what to do with Gina Davis's character in The Long Kiss Goodnight in the 90s. She was such a badass. <laughs> that movie comes, listen to me, that movie comes out today, it gets nominated for a Golden Globe minimum. No, because, you're right. Because she was a beast, and she also cared about the children. Yeah, she liked her kid. Yeah. And then you, and then you get the, the crazy bad guy. I love Sam Jackson in this that movie. I love his grimy 
what uh, <laughs> what pe- private detective, I guess. Yeah. Dun, 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 dun. Gotta talk to her tomorrow. That's <laughs> so ridiculous. His mnemonic for remembering things. Has has a movie before done that where she, they jump out of a building and she shoots a circle through the ice and then they land into the water? Has that was that that was that was comic book. That's oh, comic, comic book. Yeah. Oh okay. That's comic say. book. That's not movie. Not yet. Mm-mm. That was, was dope. And there's also some good snowmobile stuff in it. And no jet skis. So that makes me happy. Jay, are you a fan? You seem a little on the fence. A long kiss. Good night. I like it. Been a while since I've seen it. I've only seen it a couple of times. So it's one I need to revisit. But I, I remember enjoying it. I remember Sam Jackson especially being good. Uh, you're saying about it if it came out today. I feel like Atomic Blonde didn't do that well. And maybe has some similarities to that. Uh, so it might not be Oscar nominated, but I think it would still fare better than it did back then. Perhaps. I think I think that though, while the gist of the two movies were the same, I don't think Atomic Blonde was as good as Long Kiss. Oh no, definitely not. No. Oh no. No. Because <laughs> I, I I I like the fights and all that in in Atomic Blonde. Charlie Theron's good. Sophia Batella, I dig all that. Uh, what that dude uh, McAvoy. He's good now. Yeah, yeah, James McAvoy. Yeah. I, I don't know. There's some there's some fun heart in Long Kiss Goodnight, and it's got the comic. That's the thing, the development, yeah. man. Every character had a soul. Even the bad guy, yeah, had some bit of relatability. That was his kid, you know. And I like the first attack on the house where she sort of yes. you know, she has some powers. Oh, that's so cool. Oh man. All right. Well, I guess back to deeply. <laughs> well, yeah. Like yeah, a uh, yeah. This is this is kind of the first uh, time we've seen or heard from Stellan Skarsgård. So when we first meet an actor in these films, I like to say like where they were in their career at this point. So ninety nine. This is this is his only film credit for ninety nine. But before this, he'd just done Ronin. He would been in Armistad, Good Will Hunting, Insomnia, mm. Breaking the Waves. I've not seen a lot of his early stuff. His his uh, more like foreign language stuff. I've only <laughs> seen his American films. But uh, he was a, he was a pretty established actor. Like he's got a, a decent sized role in Good Will Hunting. So. Yeah. To go from that into what could have looked on paper as just another generic monster movie was a, a risky move, but I think it paid off. And, and you know what else I like? This is going to sound random, and I'm going to get on a soapbox here, but you have two directors. I'm just going to say Paul Anderson, Paul W.S. Anderson, and then you have Rennie Harlan. I think their movies have been unfairly maligned, but I, I like how in movies like Death Race, Paul Anderson brings in three-time Oscar nominee Joan Allen to be <laughs> the warden. Like these, These are guys who... An event horizon. They brought in uh, like Lawrence Fishburne, Sam, Sam Sam Neil. I mean, big yeah. Jason Isaacs. Yeah, Jason Isaac. He brought in actors, yeah. actors, and I think yeah. Rennie Harlan likes doing that too. I mean, Cliffhanger. You bring in John Lithgow as the villain. Oh hell yeah! I mean, it's just I I love how, like Long Kiss Goodnight. You you bring in the the excellent actors for this and this movie. He's bringing in like you said, Stellan Skarsgård. So and he, like what Australia's version of Kate Winslet with. Um, Jacqueline Jan- McKenzie. Yeah, yeah, Jacqueline McKenzie. No, we learned that, Norbert. Last week's episode, yeah. We had, we had an Australian guy on last week, and he said that she's she's like the Kate Blanchett of, of Australia. <laughs> but these guys, they love bringing in good act. Like, they get it. They want to fill their silly movies with good actors. Like That's what they're all about, and I, I, I dig that about them. And it was another smart choice by bringing in Stellan. And, I mean, he has one of the – well, I don't want to talk about it. Maybe he read his death scene. He's like, I got to do this. Hell yeah. Yeah, listen I mean, to me. He, well, he's he has some great great lines. Some great. He's not in the film for a long time, but he no, makes the most not. of what he's got. He he's he's always been a guy who not only just chews the scenery, but you're drawn to him immediately once he starts talking. 
he's that kind of dude, man. And that Chernobyl miniseries, oh mm. my god. Oh yeah, he is so mm-hmm. good. Nails it in that. Side note, cliffhanger, arguably one of the greatest movies of all time. I will not debate this. I love oh, I, I will not argue with you. <laughs> <laughs> I love I'd, I'd love to cover it on a future show. <laughs> because there, there's a line to be. I'll, I'll just, just real quick. There's a line to be drawn between cliffhanger and vertical limit. Both movies you can cover on the Movies, Films, and Flicks podcast. Yes, sir. That's right. They are both absurd. They both prove that to be a good climber, you have to go through a horrible disaster. Oh, so you're that good. Yeah, I broke all my legs. (laughs) (laughs) Both of them. Yeah. I just like how literal the title of Cliffhanger is. (laughs) He hangs from cliffs. He absolutely does. Where is Deep Blue Sea predominantly set? Deep blue in the deep blue sea. There we go. Oh, man. That's right. I, one last thing about Cliffhanger, and I know this is a deep blue sea podcast, but in Cliffhanger, <laughs> and if you want to listen to it, the full episode is on Movie Films of Flakes. It's one of our more popular episodes. People seem to really like it. But there's a scene where John Lithgow's in a helicopter and Sylvester Stallone has a bag of cash. John Lithgow is like, give me the cash to Sylvester Stallone. Stallone says, okay. Stallone throws the cash into the heli- helicopter blades and the cash just explodes. For mm-hmm. lost forever. And John Lithgow just lets out this, no! <laughs> he was betrayed. He felt like Sylvester Stallone betrayed him and that he really thought he was going to get the cash. And when it when when he didn't, his Shakespearean no is just epic. It's one of my favorite moments of the movie. Best line in the movie is, we need insulin. Would you have thought of that? <laughs> <laughs> oh, we need it. insulin. I love that. I'm going to watch that movie now. Are you kidding me? <laughs> so speaking of, of the title of films, this is the first scene underwater. This mm. is so far the deepest, bluest scene of deep wow. sea. And I, I want to keep track of this. As to, do we have a deeper, bluer scene? Because this one's not very blue. No. We only have a little bit of blue when the camera goes under the water. That's pretty much the only blue. So that's something that we need to look out for, Mark, is how, how deep and blue the scenes are. To try and find the deepest, bluest scene. Oh, I love that. I think I have an idea, but I'll save it for the episode when we're doing it. But so far, this is winning, because it's the first one that's below sea level. Oh, I love it. And because the first one's not blue yet when he's grabbing and swimming. Not at all. Uh, It's it's a little... Well, the first one with the the party boat, there's there's some shots underwater, but it's mostly on the surface, so it's it's more blue, but less deep. (laughs) Agreed. Agreed. (laughs) It's like a a graph to plot these on. We need a chart. Yeah. <laughs> That's your job, Mark. All right. You know, at the end of every episode, we'll rank the deepest, bluest. <laughs> okay. and so we have a spreadsheet. I'll just add, can it, do you mind if I add a category to it? Go for it. So we always Mark. All right. Cool. Shall so we'll do that. See. All right. Any uh, final thoughts before we get out of here? Oh, the um, the when they're heading down the elevator, the score is very mystical. It's it's like a very kind of fantastic. It's like they're heading into the depths of some fantasy planet. Like going down to Pandora or something. It's it's not very horror. It's it's really like fantasy almost. Ooh. It's it's kind of, it's odd. I like it. It it adds to the the horror horror like what's gonna happen down here kind of vibe. But it's just it's not what you'd expect from a an exposition scene of heading down into a science facility. The music is very soaring and sweeping for a movie about mutant sharks who want to eat every human they see. You're absolutely correct. Yeah. I want this soundtrack on vinyl. 
Mondo needs to do a, a fancy thing for it. I just got the Crawl soundtrack on vinyl. I need oh, to get nice. this. Yeah, I need it. And one quick note about the sound design. When Jim is walking away from, from Susan but still talking, I like how the, the echo in his voice increases. Because he's just nice. going further away. It's all like a big stone room. There's just this subtle echo to it. It's just like, I like the attention to detail paper. Nice. Wow. And and in actuality, there's in a sound stage with a bunch of cheap walls. Yeah. Wow. I personally, I personally like how "Welcome to Aquatica" was supposed to be like "Welcome to the Rock." <laughs> Welcome to Jurassic Park. Exactly. <laughs> it, it didn't quite hit that hard, but but she tried. It's because she's so pixie-like. It doesn't help that they cut and be like, welcome to Aquatica Cut. It's yeah. Like, so. <laughs> did not sit. That's right. No. <laughs> I love this movie. Yeah. Uh, well, this was fun. Thank you, guys. Oh, do you have anything you want to plug uh, before we go, Norbert? Anything to promote? Oh, yeah. I was going to get us out of here. Me? Uh, no. Yes. <laughs> not yet. One day I will plug something, but not now. Right now. Can anyone find you? On, are you on Twitter or Instagram or anything? Ah, okay. There you go. It's the beer talking. <laughs> yes. Norbert O. Morvan on Twitter. No, actually, Norbert O. Morvan on Instagram. Eddie Kane on Twitter. Very nice. Very nice. Well, you can you can find the, the podcast, us. You can find us on Twitter and Instagram and Facebook. We're all at Deep Blue Sea Pod and all those things. And you can email us deepblueseapod at gmail.com. If you have any questions or suggestions or anything we do wrong, let us know. Anything we miss, we'd love to hear it. And you can find more of my writings. I'm at Life versus Film on Twitter and at jaycluit, J-A-Y-C-L-U-I-T-T on Instagram. What about you, Mark? I just want to say hello to all my Moldovian fans because the MFF podcast just hit number one there. Well Moldova. done. Congratulations. So uh, I want to say hi to everyone if you're listening to this. Also, listen to the Movies, Films, and Flakes podcast, Movies, Films, and FLIX. Also, Norbert is a guest. He's been a guest on maybe 10 episodes, and our Total Recall episode is actually the number one episode that Movies, Films, and Flakes has. So if yeah. you're bored and you want to hear more from Norbert, Head over to the podcast, check out Total Recall. Also, read uh, the reviews. I write for Rotten Tomatoes, so go check out the stuff I write for them, Mark Hoffmeyer. Watch the Versus videos on their YouTube page. And yeah, that's it. I'm good. All right, so for me, Mark Hoffmeyer. And me, Jay Cluett. I'm Norbert Morvan. We'll see you next week. Thank you. Bye. Amplify your career through training and development solutions specifically designed for federal government professionals. From courses to help you attain or retain certification, to individualized coaching services, to programs that hone your leadership skills and business acumen, Management Concepts optimizes your professional development. Online, in person, individually, or groups, it's training that's measurably better. Learn more at managementconcepts.com. That's managementconcepts.com. 
Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target, are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill. Amplify your career through training and development solutions specifically designed for federal government professionals. From courses to help you attain or retain certification, to individualized coaching services, to programs that hone your leadership skills and business acumen, Management Concepts optimizes your professional development. Online, in person, individually, or groups, it's training that's measurably better. Learn more at managementconcepts.com. That's managementconcepts.com. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target, are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill.